John, the 19th chapter, the 28th to the 30th verse. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. All throughout Jesus' travail, from the moment of his beating and his scourging to the actual piercing of his hands and feet, Jesus could have died. He could have died from being whipped so severely the way that he was whipped. He could have died from exhaustion, carrying a heavy cross after taking that kind of beating. He could have died when they pierced him simply from the amount of blood that he was losing. He could have died from asphyxiation hanging on the cross from 9 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. But he did not die from any of that. In fact, the text tells us that he did not die from anything that was inflicted on him, but instead that he chose to give up his spirit on his own accord and by his own doing. But the text tells us something also very, very significant. And we can see it again when we look at verse 30 where it says, When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It was not until Jesus had received the sour wine that the culmination of all the things that had been going on found its apex. So today, we look at Jesus' words. It is finished. As we continue our journey of the seven cries from the cross during this Lenten season, the sixth cry, the sixth cry, it is finished, we will examine it from the subject, it. It is a common thing in the Christian church for us to say, God forgives us because he is our father and he loves us. While that sounds good, it not, it's not necessarily true. God does not forgive us because he's our father 
and he loves us, God forgives us only because Jesus died and paid for sin. If God loves us and forgives us only because of that reason, then what that would mean is that the cross and everything that Jesus endured was unnecessary. God forgives you and me and everyone in this room simply because Jesus died for our sin. God could not forgive us any other way outside of the death of his son. And Jesus is exalted as our savior because of his death. Make no mistake about it. God does love you. Make no mistake about it. God is our father. Make no mistake about it. God looks at you as the apple of his eye. His created beings that he loves with an everlasting love. But do not get it twisted. God is forgiving us of all that we have done simply because Jesus died. No other reason. And the greatest note of triumph or song or saying or phrase across all the universe is the sound coming from the cross of Christ when Jesus said emphatically without apology or hesitation, it is finished. All authority in the universe, it is finished. That one statement frames up all of humankind. There is a word that means it is finished in the Greek. That word is tetelestai. Now I ain't going to say it a lot because it's a hard word to say. But the word comes from the verb teleo, which means to bring to an end, to complete, to accomplish. That's what the word means. <laughs> and it's a crucial word because what it signifies is that the successful end to a particular course of action has been reached. The word is usually written on documents back in ancient Greek and in that time period, and it was like putting on a stamp, paid in full. That word means it is done. It is to be interpreted as the debt has been sealed and paid. So tetelestai is the word you would use when you climb to the top of Mount Everest. The word you would use when you turn in <laughs> the final copy of your doctoral dissertation. Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the word you would use when you make the final payment on your mortgage or your car. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think I got a church that needs some tetelestai happening around about now. But the word actually means more than just I survived. It, it, it actually means, watch, watch this, it actually means that I did exactly 
what I set out to do. See, it's not simply that it's just finished. It means that whatever it is that I set out to do, it is done. But, but, but there's a little bit more nuance to this word. There's a little bit more to understand about this word, and I want us to go into it. it, it the, the, the way that the word is used is in what we call, if anyone you know language, it's in the perfect tense in the Greek. You know, you've got past tense, present tense, and past participle. We know these things from studying language in school. But it's being used in the perfect tense in the Greek. So what this signifies is that the action that it is saying is completed, watch this, is completed in the past. It's completed in the present. And it's completed in the future. In other words, it's looking back at the event and says, this happened, and because this thing happened, it is still happening today and right now. So tetelestai is, is when Jesus says, it is finished, he's saying it was finished in the past, it's, it's, it's finished in the present, and it will remain finished in the future. Jesus was not making a statement about just that moment. Jesus was saying you could look back from everlasting to everlasting and look forward. And because I say tetelestai, because I say it is finished, it ain't never gonna ever be unfinished ever again. It's emphatic. And when Jesus says it, it's a done deal. I want that kind of tetelestai in my life. Where after I've paid this bill, I'm not going to get two, three, four, five years later something that said, oh, we forgot this. No, 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 no. Tetelestai. It's done. Now, today, forever. Do you see the word? So Jesus is hanging on the cross. And all of this is going on. And he screams out, Tetelestai. And that's when he gives up his spirit. Now, we like that. Makes a lot of sense. But y'all know me by now. It doesn't stop there. If you've been to this church any time, you know that you don't just tell me, Tetelestai, it's all done. And then I sit there and go, okay, it's finished. I need to know the mind of Christ. So we're going to do that by looking at something very important. I'm going to read this for you. In the book of Genesis, the second chapter and the first to the third verse, we read, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. Say finished. finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which we, he had done. Verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested, say rested, rested from all his work which God had created and made. Now we commonly refer to this as what? The Sabbath. Mm -hmm. After God had completed all of his creative work, making the heavens and the earth and all that is in them, the Bible tells us that he rested. Yeah. 
And the obvious question I always ask is, why would God rest? Was God tired? Did God work so hard making the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth and the animals and all of these creatures that it took so much out of him that God needed to take a 10-minute break? God needed a, a breather. Whew, that was some serious work. Let me go rest. <laughs> no. God does not get tired. And the word rest here is not to be understood in that sense as if God needed a break. The word rest needs to be understood that God was finished. God had completed what he had started. I brought you to this text because you need to know that whatever God begins, he completes. In fact, when you look in the Philippians, the Philippians, the first chapter and the sixth verse, we can, we, it tells us that we can be, watch, confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. So God always finishes what he starts. This is what Sabbath means, not merely rest, but to finish, to tetelestai. And when it is finished, it was finished back then, it's finished today, and it's finished forever. So now that we kind of have this understanding of Jesus' words, it is finished, and that it is synonymous with Sabbath, what is it that is now finished? What did God start? God the Father, that Jesus finished. This is what I want to look at today. The, the it. When, 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 when Jesus says, it is finished, we get the finished part. We understand that. But I want to know what is the it that he's talking about. Yeah. It is done. It is finished. Tetelestai. What is it? There are three things we need to understand about God particularly as he's presented to us in the book of Genesis. Number one, God is outside all boundaries. We see this from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where he says, In the beginning, God created. Let me stop there. In the beginning, God created. What that is saying is that for you to be the creator, it means that you have to be beyond the confines of what you create. You can make all the decisions about what it is that you're creating because you are outside of the boundary of your creation. When we say that God is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, he's immutable, we're saying that God is so vast and his words and knowledge is so inexhaustible. We can't even fathom the depths of his personhood that he is way outside of it. It's like God says, I'm over here, and everything I've created is over there. God is outside all boundaries. That's number one. The second thing that I want you to know about God is that God sets up the boundaries. The Bible tells us that God separated the light from the darkness. He separated the day from the night. He separates the land 
from the sea. God sets up the rules about how things are going to relate to each other. God is outside the boundaries, and then he sets up the boundaries. And, 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 and watch this. God is not limited by anything that limits you and me. Not limited by it. So you've got a situation where you're trying to pay your mortgage and you don't know how you're going to make it work. Listen, it, it, that's your limit. That's your limit, not God's. You're in a hospital room, in a hospital bed, and you have no idea what the doctors are saying, what they're going to do, how things are going to work out. That's your limit, not God's. So you need to understand this nature and character of God. He is outside the confines of all the boundaries that he sets up and that he establishes. God sets up how things are going to work. And if it doesn't work the way you think it should work, that's your limit, not God's. And nothing works outside the limits are boundaries that God establishes. Watch, you need look nothing no further than the ocean. The tide comes in to the beach and no further, unless God says so. It stops where he sets the boundaries. And God is setting up the boundaries. And as a church, if we can really get into the mind of God, it says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. If we can get that spirit in us, then we will see the boundaries that God has established. And if we see through the spirit his boundaries, then we know better than to cross it or to try to cross it. We want God to do things that we haven't understood is the part of the limit that he has established. You would have a more peaceful life if you understand that God wants me to go here and no further. We get into frustration when we try to go beyond what God has established. And when you can't go any further, you frustrate yourself to the point that you become even worse off than you were before frustrating yourself because God says, there's a limit of how far I want you to go. We must learn God's boundaries. We must learn God's limit in our lives. The third and final thing is, as I shared, is God finishes what he starts. God looked at everything that he had created, everything that he had made, and what did God say? It was good. Now, good doesn't mean that it could be bad. Good means the way God wants it. That's what good means in the Bible. He says, he looked at it, and God saw the light, and the light was good. Translating Marriott International Version, God looked at the light, and the light was the way he wanted it to be. God looked at the animals, and God said, it's the way I want it to be. God looked at his human creation, and God said, that's the way I want it to be. So when God said it was not good for man to be alone, it doesn't mean it was bad. It says God looked at the man and said, hmm, that's not the way 
I want it to be. Let me make it the way I want it to be. So he put him in a deep sleep and out of his rib, he opened it up, pulled out the rib, created woman, looked at the two of them and said, that's the way I want it to be. And he looked at them and they said, oh, she is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We, she shall be called woman because she is taken out of man. And God said, ah, that is very, very good. It's the way. I want it to be. Now, let me be very controversial here. When you step outside of the boundaries and the limits of what God has created, you become frustrated. So in the garden, he joined one man with one woman, and the two shall become one flesh. So when you join anything that is outside of the limits that God has created outside of the boundaries that God has established different from what God has created, then God looks and he says, that's not the way I want it to be. I'm not preaching anything anti. I'm preaching everything for. This is what God has established. He's outside the boundaries. He sets up the boundaries and he finishes what he starts. And when it is the way that God wants it to be, when that happens, every time that it happens the way that God wants it to be, then the Bible tells us that he now enters into Sabbath. See that? There is a peace that comes with the Sabbath. Sabbath is to be understood in the sense that after God says, all of this is the way I want it to be, now I can telestai. These three qualities help us understand something about the nature and the character of God. The Bible tells us that God made every single one of us in his image. We call this the Imago Dei, the image of God. Every person in this room was made in the Imago Dei of God, the image of God, which means that you have the capacity and the ability to reflect Godness. Think about that. So when you're doing things you got no business doing, stepping outside of the boundaries, you make a mockery of your king. When you stay within the boundaries that God has established, the rules and the order for how he wants things to work, then you can enter into his telestai. You want to enter, you want peace in your life, you want things to work the way it should, understand his limits, understand his boundaries, and then Eve, you can enter into his Sabbath rest. <laughs> when you honor your mother and your father, you reflect the Imago Dei. When you choose the good over the evil, you reflect the Imago Dei. When you love the Lord your God with all your soul, heart, mind, and strength, you reflect the Imago Dei. When you love your neighbor as yourself, you reflect the Imago Dei. When you finish what you start, you reflect the Imago Dei. But in order to consistently 
reflect this Imago Dei. You need to be in a solid relationship with God. It can't be a compromising relationship. Many of us, we treat God as a genie in a bottle. Only when I need something, let me just kind of rub the altar. Pastor, just anoint me with oil. I need a little oil. A little more oil in my life. They keep it burning. A little more oil in my life. I pray. <laughs> a little more oil in my life. Keep it burning. And keep it burning till the break of day. <laughs> We need to be in a constant, consistent relationship with God. But the truth is, the Bible tells us that they that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. And we are not doing it simply because of this thing called sin. Sin entered into the world and it broke that relationship that we had with God. Sin corrupted God's good creation. Sin infected our ability to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Sin devalued us in the eyes of our Savior. Sin destroyed our connection to the Spirit of God, the Ruach that empowers us. Sin interfered with our deep awareness of God's presence in our lives. And it was not good. In other words, it was not the way God wanted it to be. Sabbath was gone. And God did not like it because it was no longer the way he wanted it to be. So the it, when Jesus says it, is finished. I ask the question, what is the it that Jesus is saying is finished? And today I submit to you, church, that when Jesus hung on that cross and he said, it is finished, my translation is simply that Jesus was saying, Sabbath restored. Sabbath restored. That's the it. It's a restoration to the way God wanted things to be. It's a restoration of God's good creation. It's a restoration to the order of the universe. It's a restoration to the appropriate boundaries between maleness and femaleness. It's a restoration to unity in diversity in the Trinity. God needed us to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. This is the it. So after sin entered the world in the fall in the garden, all hell broke loose. And ever since then, Satan and his demons have been causing all kinds of havoc across God's good creation, wars 
and rumors of wars, sickness and disease, lying and cheating, backbiting and backstabbing, emperors rising and falling, killing and chemical warfare in Syria, burdensome financial interest rates and loan sharking, greed, envy, jealousy, spite, sexual immorality and perversion, lust and pedophilia, all running rampant across God's good creation. And God looked down and he said, this is not the way I wanted it to be. All this stuff happening, people can't find their way through this maze of garbage, this scotus darkness, which has now come over the earth, is confusing my people who I created in my Imago Day. This people that I fashioned with my very hands, that I love so much, Satan is just trampling all over them and God is looking at this and God is saying this is not Sabbath this is not Tetelestai this is crazy God is now saying what am I going to do but the Bible tells us it says but when the fullness of time had come God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So on Calvary's cross, Isaiah tells us it pleased the Lord to bruise him, to put him to grief. Our righteous servant, Jesus the Christ, shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And because he poured out his soul unto death, he was numbered with the transgressors, bearing the sin of many and making intercession for you and for me. Jesus, feeling the weight of sin and everything that we were doing back then and everything that we are doing right now and everything that we're going to do tomorrow. He said, wait a second, how can I fix this? But Jesus, knowing all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, Tetelestai. And well, first he said, I thirst. Then, they filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on the hyssop, and when he had received the sour wine, he said, Tetelestai. And at that moment, Sabbath has been restored. And once it's been restored, he now bows his head and gave up his spirit. That's the it. The it is Jesus' declaration across all eternity that because of his sacrifice, the way God wanted things to be has now been restored. God's good creation has now been restored. The order in the universe had now been restored. The appropriate boundaries between maleness and femaleness has now been restored. Unity in diversity has now been restored. Sabbath has now been 
restored. And the God who had begun a good work had indeed finished what he had started because he had performed it until the day of Christ Jesus. It is finished. Tetelestai. Sabbath has been restored. Jesus on the cross. Watch it. Tetelestai. It's finished. Sabbath is restored. So when we go through our worship service, and when we go through all the stuff we do inside this church, the singing, the praising, the dancing, the Robbie singing that I can lose my preaching. <laughs> when, oh, when we do all of that, when we do all of that, you know what we're doing? I'm going to help somebody right now. Every time you come to this church, because I can only speak for this church. Every time you come to this church and you see all of the effort that goes into the worship, you know what we're doing? We are affirming Tetelestai. We are co-signing with Jesus and saying, yeah, we agree. So when challenges come in your life, Tetelestai. When someone acted crazy coming to tell you something that they got no business to, <laughs> Tetelestai. The boss start going crazy on the job and acting like he got more power and authority. <laughs> we got to use the language of God. Because he's given it to you because the Bible tells us that when Jesus Christ ascended from the dead, he went and he sits at the right hand of God the Father. And all authority has been given to him. And that authority he gives to you. You can declare in this world, it is finished. Not because you say so, but because you are saying what your father has said. And when you do that, <laughs> God, he sits back and he goes, it's good. It's good. It's the way I want it to be. And it's very, very good. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why we do this every Sunday, to affirm the tetelestai. And so every time you come now on a first Sunday, and we say, remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. Remember, it is finished.